So we're currently in a series on mental health, and I just want to thank everyone who's uh, shared feedback uh, for all of the stories that you've sh- for the stories that we've shared and what we've been talking about. I've, I've really appreciated the positive feedback. And as in previous uh, weeks, we're going to hear a few stories today. I want to start with a story from Avery. Avery, before moving to Colorado to teach at a university, was uh, the team leader for our mental health fund. And since then, he often attends online and He was one of the people who responded to some of the prompts that I sent out, including the one about a meme that says you can have Jesus and a therapist too. So I want to watch this brief video from Avery and Avery's thoughts on mental health and the church. Let's watch that. Hi, City View Church. My name is Avery. My pronouns are he and him. Um, I have always been interested in mental health because I find it kind of necessary to being our best selves. And I also find it one of the most rewarding ways in which to connect with other people, even though it's arguably one of the most challenging ways too, because we don't talk about it um, all the time. But one of the amazing things about City View is that we do support that conversation. We encourage it. Um, It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to talk about mental health. And yeah, so I've had my own sort of journey of mental health, specifically anxiety and Seeing a therapist really changed my life. Uh, The first time I saw a therapist was in my early 20s. Um, And I often wonder what it would have been like had I seen a therapist much earlier, but um, it really did change my life. And one of the struggles though, as a consequence of starting that journey in therapy was trying to reconcile it with faith because I've been in faith communities in the past where the conversation around mental health either doesn't happen at all or is like a quiet, sort of, you know, pray more, pray the depression or the anxiety away. Um, You know, you have those feelings because you're not right with God. And it was really hard to hold both of those things, you know, a journey with mental health and a journey with God. Um, And so I really like this idea of you need Jesus and a therapist too, because I think a therapist can help us facilitate a deeper connection with Jesus. and being aware of our own mental health and what helps and what doesn't um, ultimately allows us to be able to give more to faith. And so that's why I find it so important. Um, and yeah, I'm really, ha- I'm really glad that we're all having this conversation. So thanks. As we uh, bring this series to a close, um, I want to share something with you that I believe will, I hope, uh, weave together some of the conversations that we've had this far in the mental health series. Uh, Specifically today, I'd like to introduce you to uh, Dr. Bruce Perry's Neurosequential Model, Regulate, Relate, and Reason. Now, I'm just curious, anyone already familiar with this uh, particular model? the Schraders are, because they told me about it. Uh, that's how I learned. Uh, our friend Jesse shared this concept with me, and it really just made sense, and it helped me make sense of how my brain works and how to better relate to people when they're struggling or how to handle things like anxiety, 
uh, depression, conflict, even trauma. The idea is pretty simple. Our brain uses different parts uh, for different reasons, and we're developed at different times. Uh, so to explain this, I want to watch this video from Dr. Perry, who uh, coined some of these ideas. Now, it's a, just a three-minute video. Uh, this guy is going to explain how the brain works. So we do need you to turn on your brains uh, for this one. And I want you to do your best to pay attention because there is going to be a quiz afterwards. And I'm, I'm not even kidding. Uh, so do your best to pay attention. Don't get distracted, okay? Watch like your life depended on it. Let's go ahead and watch this video. So the upside, the upside down triangle uh, is something that we use all the time to represent the human brain. And the uh, top part is the cortex. It's a part of our brain that is capable of telling time. It's the part of our brain that's responsible for speech and language and abstract symbolic representation and all of the quote, cognitive aspects of our functioning are mediated by networks in the cortex. And so really, when you are talking with somebody, you are trying to get to their cortex. You're, when you're trying to reason with somebody, you're trying to get them to utilize systems in their cortex. Now, this is, you know, this is a wonderful part of the human brain. It's, it's what has allowed us to be so creative and so productive and inventive as a species. But one of the challenges with the cortex is, number one, it develops later in life. It's obviously present and works literally from birth, but it's undeveloped, it's immature, and, and the cortex doesn't really fully organize until you're probably 28 or 30 years old. Furthermore, the cortex is kind of hard to get to. You, you really have to go through other more primitive parts of the brain before you get to the cortex. And this is one of the key issues with communication, particularly with somebody who's dysregulated. And so what we know is that all external sensory input comes into lower parts of the brain and then basically gets processed and acted on in a sequence. And the lowest, most primitive parts of the brain kind of get first dibs on processing and acting on information. And then that, that goes up and there's this parallel processing activity that takes place in the more emotional parts of your brain. And ultimately you get information, but it's been influenced by these lower parts of the brain. The information ultimately can get up to the cortex where you do your thinking. And so part of what we've tried to help people appreciate is that if you really want to reason with somebody, we know that the most effective way to engage the human cortex is through relational interactions. When people feel safe and they feel connected to the person that they're interacting with, they will be better capable of hearing accurately what that person is trying to communicate. Now, this engagement process in turn depends upon a sort of a minimal level of regulation in the person who you're trying to communicate with. And as I talked about on our last session, it also requires a certain degree of regulation on your part. So if you're regulated, you have a chance of helping the other person be regulated of connecting with them and then communicating with them. And this is really what the sequence of engagement is all about.
Okay, quiz time. All right, there's going to be a quiz, and uh, I want. I, here's the first question. Uh, how many of you are hearing this information for the first time? Okay, so majority, all right. How many of you feel uh, adequately prepared to write a two-page essay on explaining this concept to a friend? All right, all right, we got a few. You cannot use chat GPT. Great question, good follow-up, yeah? Uh, uh, here's a few other questions. I'm going to give you three options. You can raise your hand for any of these. So you can pick more than one. But uh, three, there's three responses. I'm going to tell you what they are first so you can think about it. Okay. It's a bit of an experiment for me. Uh, I want you to choose... Uh, uh, option one is this. Uh, when I told you there was going to be a quiz afterwards, did it help you pay attention? Like knowing that there was going to be a quiz kind of focused you, and, and that was good. That's, that's option one. You can raise, not yet, but you can raise for multiple. Option two is, when I told you that there was going to be a quiz, did you think to yourself, no thanks? Like you got a little resistant, maybe annoyed, and you maybe paid attention a little bit less than you would have because you're like, eh, I'm not interested. I'm here for church. All right, that's option two. Uh, that's 100% me, by the way. I have lots of demand resistance in me, and uh, you tell me to do something, I am less likely to do it then. Um, option three, when I told you that there was going to be a quiz, and maybe not in this setting, because I think you could tell I was, I'm pretty lighthearted, but maybe in other settings you're like, there's going to be a quiz, oh my God. Does it make you nervous or anxious? Maybe because of past experiences, you get a little triggered, you don't want to let somebody down, that sort of thing. Okay, so three options, you can raise your hand for any of them. So option one, knowing there was a quiz, it actually helped you focus more, raise your hand. All right, look at all you. You guys have taken a lot of quizzes today, haven't you? Uh, option two, being told to listen and that you had to because there's going to be a quiz that you maybe were a little resistant and it could have impacted your ability. Anyone, anyone resistant? Yeah. Number three, hearing that there was a quiz, there was something in you that was just a little triggered or made you a little nervous or a little anxious. Anyone? Okay, yeah. What's funny about this video to me is that in order for you to access the cortex, the top process, to process what's been shared, you first have to relate to the person who's talking to you and to have a basic level of regulation. So if, uh, you, if you struggled to pay attention, you chose not to, that's what he was explaining. And the truth is, is that we really can't access those higher portions of the brain as well when we're nervous, anxious, or worried, or we don't have a connection. Um, it's part of the reasons why I particularly chose a section of this video where you didn't even get to see the guy's face, uh, just to make it that much less relational. And uh, showing you this video in this way, uh, as with this setup, was designed to make a point. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at this again. We're going to spend some more time with it. My goal is that at the end, you'll be able to say, yeah, actually, I could explain this concept to someone, hopefully. That's what we're going to try to get to. And we're going to do it in a way that actually lines up with what the teaching uh, and how our brain works uh, and how that works. So, we're going to, so in other words, we're going to present the information in a way that allows us first to regulate, then to relate, and then third, hopefully, it can make it to that reason part of the brain. So first, let's get regulated. So let me start by saying there are no more quizzes. Yes. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of highly educated people in the room, and they're like, but I was kind of looking forward to the quiz. <laughs> I was going to ace that thing. Joe was going to be so impressed. <laughs> yeah, I know you all are smart. It's fine. Here's the thing. How you set up a conversation actually influences it. You know that? Has, has anyone ever texted you, we need to talk? 
How does that make you feel? Does it stress anyone else out? And uh, if it does, uh, you know, I feel like you end up going into that conversation worried, upset, maybe, you know, you're not sure what's going to happen. I have a friend here at church, um, uh, and uh, she knows how stressful it can be to send someone a text, especially to the pastor, we need to talk. And so uh, she was very kind, and she texted me, do you have time for a phone call? I have a quick question for you. And I was like, I love answering questions. <laughs> I've got all the answers. And so I, I call her, and I'm like, yeah, not a problem. We pick up. We chat. And she's like, actually, I don't have a question. I wanted to tell you something, but I was afraid that would stress you out. And it's really not a big deal. <laughs> and you know what? I was like, you know what? Thank you. You saved me about 15 minutes of anxiety uh, between when you texted me and we called. So how we frame what we say influences people's ability to hear us because if we stress someone out or we make someone anxious or we trigger something in them, that information is not going to make it up to the place where we reason, where we problem solve. So today, for example, let's regulate. There are no more quizzes. It's 100% okay to tune me out. No pressure. Friends are safe here. You don't have to agree with me or with Dr. Perry, as far as I'm concerned. Don't know the guy. It's okay. And if you hear nothing else today, know that you are loved and that you are safe. And so resting in that, let's pause and take a breath. Can you do that with me? <sighs> we do this in church because it helps center ourselves and it helps us regulate Besides breathing, grounding yourself in a space can help you regulate. So take a second and feel the floor beneath your feet. Solid. And then I encourage you to look around the room. Sometimes a very contemplative version of I spy can be very helpful in grounding ourselves. Look for something that's red. Just look around the room, find something that's red. Remind yourself that you're in a space. This is where you are. You're getting grounded. Did you find it? Now find something that's blue. There's a lot of options. And take a deep breath in and out. And then I invite you, if you feel so led, to open your hands in a posture to receive. And let's pray. God, we do trust that you're able to meet us in this space. That we are deeply loved. And that we are safe. Help us, Lord, to leave behind our fears and concerns. Help us remember that we are safe and everything's going to be okay and allow the strength of the ground beneath our feet to move up in our body, reminding us of God's presence in our lives, that we are safe and loved in Christ's name. Amen. Hopefully we're feeling regulated. Let's try to relate. Relate to feel a sense of connection in this kind of setting, uh, most settings, honestly, except for one-on-one -on -one conversations, the easiest way to feel a connection, to feel empathy, to walk in, to walk in someone else's shoes is through stories. So I'll tell you a story. The other day, Alyssa, my wife, was very upset. I did ask her permission to share this story. So don't get upset with me. Uh, she had some things in her work life that was very overwhelming and frustrating. And she was venting, 
She was telling me about it, how horrible it was, and how horrible everyone else was who were involved in it. And you have to understand that this was coming after two years of really hard life. Last year especially was just the worst. Alyssa and I got hit over and over again with real life-altering conflict that put our relationship and our careers in jeopardy. Uh, We remained true to each other through it all, thank God, and we're better than we've ever been. But there were a lot of people in our lives who we considered friends who kind of turned against us and in our mind were actively trying to hurt us. And after or something like that, it's really easy to get activated in conflict. You worry the present conflict is like the experience you had in the past. And so she's activated, triggered, she's upset, she was going on, venting about all the reasons she was frustrated, and me, being the ever-logical, reasonable person, offered her really great solutions to her problems. Like I was just spitting wisdom telling her exactly how she could do things differently to avoid these problems in the future. Who would not want to know that? And as you can imagine, it went over really well. And by really well, I mean it it didn't go over well at all. And uh, I mean, it was a dumpster fire. I mean, I literally made it much, much worse. Uh, Because now she's also mad at me. Like, I I was added to the list. And I... I might as well have sat her down, played that video from Dr. Perry for, you know, hey, babe, I know you're upset, but if you watch this video right now, you'll understand how the brain works, and it'll really help you understand why you're being so unreasonable. Not a good idea, correct? When you're upset, do you need advice or answers? Neither. We need to feel safe, and we need to know we are loved, that you have people who are going to support you no matter what. We need connection and empathy. It's only after there's a connection that people are open to more logical ideas or capable of engaging in creative problem solving. So I'm just wondering, we're going to connect over this, I hope, is there anyone else who's tried to fix someone's problems when they were upset only to make them more upset? (laughs) Some raised hands and some pointing fingers. That's, (laughs) we need to have a marriage seminar. Just kidding. (laughs) Okay, I'm glad I'm not alone. So that's regulate, we're safe, and that's relate. We're not alone. We've been there, you know. We've we've loved, you know, the same. We're all loved the same, and and we are here for each other. So let's try this move, this conversation up up to the cortex then. I want to watch another video. This is different this time. You actually get to see the speaker's face. He's going to talk about the same thing. But at this point, it won't be new to you, so that's going to help. Hopefully, you'll be able to feel a deeper connection to the information now that you've, you know, gathered yourself and you've heard, you know, some relational stories. So let's watch this video. Hi, I'm John Richardson-Love, Director of Mental Health and Lead Trauma and Resilience Educator here at Child Savers. I want to share with you a way to think about our brains and understand our brains, particularly when they're going through times of stress and sometimes trauma, too. This comes from Bruce Perry. Uh, who's a physician who has written a number of different books, most recently with Oprah Winfrey, the book called What Happened to You. He also created something called the Neurosequential Model of Therapeutics. That sounds pretty fancy. But in the NMT model, he created this idea that helped us understand how our brain functions, brain states. And if we don't understand people's brain state, it's hard to understand how we can interact with them and help them be successful. The first and most basic fundamental uh, brain state that people have is their need to re- to regulate. And our regulating need is regulating our survival response. When someone's not well regulated in this basic 
fundamental brain state, they're going to be in their survival response. That might be their fight, their flight, their freeze, that kind of, of basic animalistic response to the world around them because it's focused on survival. And if I don't feel safe, if I'm not well regulated, then I'm going to have a hard time being successful and doing anything else. Once we help people be well regulated, we need to help them feel related, to feel connected with the world, with other individuals, so that they don't feel alone in the world. Because when somebody's not related, someone is not connected to other people, oftentimes bad things happen. And then the third brain state, and the highest level of brain state, is reasoning. And that reasoning is our ability to reason, to learn, to process, to think, to plan, to operationalize, to regulate and self-regulate, all those kind of skills that we really need in that reasoning state. And that reasoning brain state is where we want people to be 90, if not 100% of their lives. But sometimes they're not. If we understand these brain states, we can understand how we can support them. Because when someone is in this need for regulation, then I'm gonna approach that individual with helping them regulate, which might be about play, it might be about movement, it might be about music, it might be about giving them food and rest, it might be about just giving them time to, uh, to be peaceful, a peaceful, quiet space. And we need to understand that because if someone's in that need for regulating, then I'm not gonna be able to help them and connect with them in a relationship. If they are well-regulated, then I can work on that reasoning brain state. And when we're working in the reasoning brain state, that's when I can use my body language, my voice tone, my empathy, my compassion, um, the words that I have, and my relationship in general to help them understand that they're not alone in the world, to help them feel connected. And it's only after they feel safe and they feel connected that we can be in that highest level of brain state, that learning brain state, that reasoning brain state, so that we can help people to do all those things that they need to do. Once they're there, they're golden. And we wanna help keep them there and maintain their presence there. Understanding people's brain states is essential to this interpersonal communication, to helping anyone, whether adult or child, to be successful in the world and to have good positive interventions with them. And remember, behavior communicates the brain state. I hope this helps you understand the people around you that you serve, that you work with, particularly the children in your lives, uh, as we help them walk through those critical moments. Um, and we have the gift to be in our, being able to spend time with them and help them be successful. Thanks for listening. Now, I don't know about you, but this second video, having spent some time and specifically sharing a personal story for me, I'm, 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 I'm hearing the information in a different way. I'm thinking about my wife and how it plays out even with our, my child when he's, you know, very upset and how reasoning with him doesn't work and I could just get mad at him and discipline him for being upset. Do you feel a little bit more prepared to explain this and to live it out now that we've kind of spent some things? Um, maybe it's because you've heard it twice, but I hope that it's also because you've had time to connect with the information in a more personal way. Or in other words, the information was able to make it past those more primitive levels of our brain and help, you know, to, to the place that helps us reason. So this is huge for so many areas of life, whether you're parenting, grandparenting, uh, or leading people who can't agree, um, or sitting with your family discussing politics or religion. We should have done this before Thanksgiving. <laughs> Would that have been helpful? I know some of the stories we've heard after the holidays, you know, uh, I'm guessing some people get a little dysregulated around their family and, and your family members can get dysregulated too. So you can remember people don't actually hear what you have to say if they're overwhelmed or they're worked up or they're triggered or they're anxious. They can't hear you if they don't feel loved or safe. 
It doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong. They can't hear you if they don't feel loved, connected, and safe. Now, I'm wondering, maybe there's some of you who are realizing why in the past you were able to win an argument with a friend, only to lose that friend in the process. Because you can be right all day long. But if you don't take time to help the person you care about feel safe and loved, it won't matter. And I see this all the time. Their brain literally isn't going to allow them to process that information. And so you're thinking, uh, this is all, you know, clever science and all that, but where does it cross-sect with our faith? So here's, here's how Scripture explains it. There's this beautiful passage in Proverbs that says it like this. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. And I find this so brilliantly profound. See, I just went into preacher voice. That was lecture voice. Because I'm getting a little excited. This is so, what's interesting about this verse is this proverb doesn't put the responsibility on the person who's angry. But on the person who's interacting with the person who's upset. Now, that's not to say if someone is angry or you know, acting out that they aren't responsible for their actions. What this proverb is saying is that if someone is angry, if someone is upset, if somebody is triggered or overwhelmed, how we interact with them also matters. And if we are gentle and kind and compassionate, it helps. But if we use harsh words and we match their anger and we get defensive, it will make it worse. And that is on us. We are responsible if we play a part in making something worse. And it doesn't matter how horrible they're being. We still take responsibility for how we respond. So if you really want to help, we have to remain regulated in order to help others remain regulated. That's basically what this passage is saying. If it was written today with the language we just learned, it could have easily said, a regulated person, let me put that slide up. Tim, slide. Thank you. A regulated person will help someone regulate, but if you match someone's dysregulation, it will only cause escalation. Now, Obviously, I like the, the original better. Uh, it's just, you know, it's way more poetic and makes more sense to me. But you get my point. So over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the mental health toolkit. Um, does, uh, has anyone here not received, sorry, Christy. Has anyone here not received one that would like one? Um, we're going to pass them out. We've got plenty here. I know we've been passing them out every week, so be sure to grab one. And uh, you can see it on the slide from the video, the second video. It talks about regulate, so there's that section under regulate. These cards, do they look familiar? They're, they're on this list of examples on how to regulate. Music, movement, play, quiet spaces, food, rest. These are really basic human needs that we can practice. And if you missed the sermons where we talked about these in detail, there's biblical examples for each one, if that's important to you. But these cards can help you, your kids, Shoot, your coworkers, anyone having a hard time in a difficult moment to regulate. And so it's important to take time to do this because we will not relate well with other people until we regulate, until we're at that place where we don't feel threatened and we can feel safe. So this is especially important for leaders. When something happens in church or your place of work or your nonprofit and you get really upset, the instinct is to fight or flight. So you want to act out of that anger, frustration. You want to set things right. You want to send those emails. You want to let people know how much they hurt you. That's what you want to do. But that's just the fight or flight response. What we, what we want and what we need are different. We want to lash out, but we need to regulate. 
So we take a couple deep breaths, we step away from our desk, we go on a walk, we go do something fun, we take a nap, we give ourselves time. When we do that, we're able to come back and address the problem by relating to those involved in the conflict and hopefully eventually get to that place of reason where you can engage and create a problem solving. Not always, but hopefully. You can come up with these crazy solutions. So if you have one of these or if you don't, one of the cards on here is blank. It says write your own. So I want you to take a second and you think about things that help you feel good, help you feel safe, help you feel loved, just as God wants us to. Take a second. What is something that, that helps you? Is it music? Um, obviously, some of these are in here already, but music or movement or play, or is there a specific kind of music or a specific kind of movement that you, you know, maybe it's go on a walk or it's do yoga or something. What do you do when you're just having a bad day and you want to help get to that better place? What is something that you do? You can actually write it on the card if you want, but I want you to take a second and just think about it. What would be your answer? I would say that it's it's a card already, but it's the one that keeps coming to mind. Music is so important to me. I um I don't even listen to the lyrics of music most of the time. I just something about the music in general is important. And uh, for example, I was listening to this one song. It was beautiful, just really great song. And I was I, pay, I played it for. Uh, it's like a pop alternative song, and I played it for a listen. I was like, and this is a great song. She's like, dude, that's about someone wanting to kill themselves. And I was like, oh, didn't, I just like the beat. Um, but I was thinking about this this morning because uh, we start the service with some scripture, and I, I can't focus. I, I come into worship services very anxious. Obviously, anytime you have to talk, you get a little anxious, a little nervous. Um, that's that's a normal thing. And um, so I'm a little anxious, a little nervous, and I'm just like, I'm a little dysregulated at the beginning of worship services. And uh, so I miss almost everything Christy says. But once a couple songs are played and the drum is going, you know, I'm, I am I find myself in a much better place. And so um, uh, that's probably why I never did that to begin with. I need the music first. <laughs> that's just me. I'm curious. Anyone want to share what they would put on their card? What's something that you particularly find helpful? Yeah, JB. Dancing. Yeah. Andy, same? Dancing for you as well? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyone else? What's something that you find helpful? Yeah. Meditating, yeah. Very good. One more. Snuggles? Hey, love it. Correct answer. Jeez. <laughs> I need to remember that one. Next, next time, Melissa's upset, right? Whew. I'd be, I'd be, pets, yeah, you know, the presence of a, of an, I mean, you know, there's like studies, like they take dogs in the prisons and stuff, because it's very calming, so yeah, that's a great one, spending time with pets, you were going to say one, arts, yes, love it, any others, yeah, yes, I've heard this, yeah, math problems, Kind of helps you process the load. That's very good. Um, friends, I hope that you'll find ways in which you can help yourself. This is so important, not only for our faith life, as we, um, as we know, the fruits of the Spirit is patience and kindness and gentleness. These, these fruits are a product of us being regulated, 
knowing that we're loved and that we're in healthy relationships and we can experience the fruits of the Spirit. God can work through these processes. So it's not either or. This isn't just faith versus science. It's God working through science and how our brain works to help us live the best version of ourselves. So I invite the band to come up for our closing song and uh, encourage you to pray with me. God, we give you thanks for the ways in which you provide us. Uh, We trust that you're able to work in and through all kinds of processes and practices, and throughout the whole history of our faith, you have used things like rest, quiet time, meditation, prayer, movement, all of these things to help us, fragile, broken humans, to be the best versions of ourselves. So, Lord, as we enter into relationships, when we encounter conflict, when we run into things that really bother us, maybe even because of past experiences, help us to find those in our lives who are willing to love and have empathy towards us, that we can help do the same to them when they need it. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.